With how South Carolina's basketball programs have performed this season and the buzz that they've generated, it's fair to say right now that Columbia is the epicenter of college basketball. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks Podcast. I'm Andrew Lyon, the host of this podcast and also a staff writer for Gamecock Digest over on Fan Nation. Thank you all so much for making the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch for your team here today. We are free and available both on YouTube and wherever you get your audio podcasts daily. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions do apply. South Carolina has been absolutely killing it on the hardwood over the past several months. We all knew going into this season that the women's basketball team was still going to be really doggone good. I don't think anybody, however, expected that Lamont Paris and the men's basketball program would get things rolling like they have it right now. So we're going to talk about what all that has done as far as South Carolina's basketball perception is concerned to start today's show. That We'll then talk about Don Staley and the women's basketball team losing one of their bigger pieces to something that is, quite frankly, out of their control. And then at the end, we'll talk about how some of the recent hires on the football front are indicative of a potential change in Shane Beamer's staffing philosophy. All of that on today's Locked on Gamecocks. I think it's fair to say right now that when it comes to buzz in the world of college basketball, there is no one school who has more buzz than South Carolina. And obviously, in order to generate buzz, you have to have a couple things going your way. One, you've got to be performing well on the floor. South Carolina's absolutely doing that, both on the men's and women's side. And then right after that, you have to have adequate attention that's being brought to your program. So, how has Columbia become the epicenter of college basketball right now? Well, we got to start with the women's basketball program. What Don Staley has done with this team over the past 10 years, quite frankly, going all the way back to when just winning a regular season title in the SEC was a substantial goal for this program has been remarkable. Don Staley has found a way to sustain success over an extended period of time. She has made South Carolina one of the blue bloods in women's college basketball. It is right now, quite frankly, the standard in the sport. South Carolina has made it to five Final Fours in the last 10 years, including three straight. They have won two national titles in the process. And... They are the winningest program since the 2018 through 19 season in women's college basketball. So, we all know what Don Staley has done with that program, but we should still be appreciative of just what we're witnessing because it is greatness. It is something that every other program would give almost anything to have in that sport. So we have to acknowledge that first and foremost. They are the reason that South Carolina basketball was even relevant 
at all nationally over the past 10, 15 years. But I do think that it is also fair to say that the lack of success on the men's basketball side of things for South Carolina held back the school's overall perception in the sport of basketball in its entirety. And that again, that's not to say that Don Staley and her program have not had a wide reach. It definitely has, with NBA stars commenting on their play. Hall of Famers like Urban Magic Johnson talking about the team on several occasions over the past couple years. But when you got one side that's dragging down the other, you know, there's a certain ceiling in terms of the amount of attention that the school is going to get in that particular sport. However, that has all changed this season with what Lamont Paris has done. He has elevated this program to heights that we haven't seen in almost a decade. Obviously, when Frank Martin got here, the program was in shambles. He then built it up to a point where the Gamecocks, of course, went on that magical Final Four run all the way back in 2017. And they were at least usually a top four seed in the SEC come tournament time after the regular season. Right now, Lamont Paris, he's got his team competing for a potential SEC regular season title at this current moment. And depending on how they finish the regular season and the conference tournament, South Carolina could be a number five seed or higher, depending on how things go. That is how well they have played this season. And both of these programs combined, they have been phenomenal. Their overall record right now is 40-3. and That is the best mark in all of college basketball for any school, both men's and women's combined. The only other school who holds a candle to South Carolina right now in terms of what they've done both on the men's and women's side in this sport is UConn, who is currently... 39 and 6 between both their men's and women's programs. And again, as I mentioned earlier, when you perform well on the field, or in this case on the court, the media has no choice but to give you the flowers that you deserve. On the women's basketball front, again, we all know this. ESPN, especially, they have given South Carolina a lot of attention over the past seven, eight years, really since they won that first national title back in 2017. Don Staley is lauded by many people in that sport. A lot of the analysts who watch that team play week in and week out. So that has, again, not been an issue for a while. But now, the men's basketball team, they're starting to get national attention. Not quite on par with the women's program, but they're getting there. They've got names like Gary Parish from CBS Sports, a John Rothstein also from CBS Sports, and ESPN longtime analyst Dick Vitale also commenting on their recent performances. They've been getting a lot of love from the national landscape here in college basketball over the past few weeks. And the best part about all of this attention right now for South Carolina basketball as a whole is that when one of these teams is playing a game, it is rare at this point that we see the entire game play out on live television and the broadcast crew not talk about the other team at all. So South Carolina's women's basketball team played on Sunday afternoon against the Ole Miss Rebels. I'm sure at some point 
Lamont Paris and the men's basketball team got brought up. Same deal with Lamont Paris and the men's team. They played Georgia this past Saturday, and I'm sure that at some point while they were playing, Donsdale and the women's team got brought up. This is great for both programs, okay? This isn't meant to incite some sort of, you know, narrative that there's some competition now going on between both programs. No, this is great as a whole for the university, and I talked about this after the men's team knocked off number six, Kentucky, a couple of weeks ago. The university, the athletic department, they need to get behind these basketball programs. Lamont Paris, he is showing you right now. He has the chance to do something special with this men's basketball program. He has a chance to make them a staple power in the SEC and a team that starts to expect making the NCAA tournament at least every other year. Something we have never seen from that program. And you combine that with what Don Staley has already accomplished with the women's team and continues to accomplish, I might add. There's no question right now. Columbia is grabbing the attention of basketball aficionados everywhere on the college level. They have no choice but to give the school attention right now. To give these basketball programs attention right now. Because they're just flat out beating almost everybody they're playing. The women's team is beating everybody that's in their path. And the men's team, they're on an absolute tear right now. They are scorching hot. Winning their past five SEC contests. So, it's great what we've seen from both of these programs. And, obviously, we got some more big games upcoming. The men's team plays Ole Miss on Tuesday night. That's going to be a whiteout. So, everyone that's going to the Colonial Life Arena, you're being told to wear white. And the women's team, they're playing UConn this next Sunday. However, Don Stanley and her team, they will be without one of their biggest stars on the team in Camilla Cardoso. Is that going to be a big deal for them? I'll discuss that in more detail in just a couple moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Now, when you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the roles that are available in your business. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals For your team, both faster and for free, LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals worldwide, which makes it the best place to hire because it gives you access to professionals that you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. So, Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply. Welcome back to this Monday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. We cover your South Carolina Gamecocks every single day. And as always, a big thank you to each and every one of you everydayers who make the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your daily listen wherever you get your audio podcasts daily or your daily watch on YouTube. Don Staley announced after the Gamecocks recent matchup against Ole Miss on Sunday afternoon that South Carolina will be without Camilla Cardoso, their starting center for their next two matchups. Those two matchups are against the Missouri Tigers and the UConn Huskies at home. And I have to admit, losing Camilla Cardoso, at least as far as South Carolina's fan base is concerned, it doesn't really seem like a big deal. 
And that's because it isn't a big deal. I'm not going to talk about the Missouri game because, quite frankly, the Tigers are outmatched in almost every single aspect of the game on the floor. I'm not trying to sound harsh here, but it's really the truth. Outside of Mama Dembele, they really just, they don't have a chance against South Carolina, okay? Let's just put it like that, and we'll move on. UConn is the team that most people are talking about. They are the team that people outside of Columbia will think can possibly take advantage of Camilo Cardoso not being in the starting lineup for South Carolina. And there's a couple reasons for this. Obviously, UConn is one of the most historic programs, if not the most historic program, in all of women's college basketball. Yes, they have not won a national title in several years, and they've had a lot of streets get broken, and they're certainly not the UConn of old. I think we all can agree on that. But UConn is still UConn. UConn still has plenty of talent. Obviously, Paige Beckers leads the charge in that regard still. They only lost by four points this past season with the Gamecocks traveling up to Connecticut. So that's something that people are going to reference leading up to this game to generate more interest. And they do have a pretty solid All-American caliber forward in Aaliyah Edwards. But as far as Camilo Cardoso's absence is concerned and how it's going to affect this game, I don't think any of that, and I think most of you would agree with this, I don't think any of that's going to matter because when you look at the Huskies and their roster and their rotation, they don't have the depth to keep up with South Carolina for 40 minutes, especially considering the fact that this game is taking place in the Colonial Life Arena this coming Sunday afternoon. When you look at the minutes distribution on UConn's roster, when you go to their website and look at the stats, UConn really and truthfully has seven main players in their rotation. And a big reason why that's the case is because, unfortunately, UConn continues to be hit hard with injuries. They have three players that are out for the rest of the season due to injury. Uh, I think that Gino Ariema has a lot of blame to wear because of that, because, quite frankly, some of his methods are archaic, but that's a whole different discussion for a different time. The point being, with the players that are in UConn's main rotation, only two of them are considered forwards on their roster, and both of them are listed as six foot three. So they don't have some towering presence in their front court like a Camilo Cardoso who's like six foot five or taller. And the Gamecocks, although Cardoso won't be available against the Huskies, they still are going to have plenty of players in their front court. They're going to have, obviously, an Ashley Watkins, who has been on fire as of late. They're going to have Chloe Kitts, who's just coming back from an illness that she had recently. Zania Fagan obviously has a lot of experience, and I'm sure she's going to get a lot of minutes. And you might even see a Sakema Walker, who admittedly has gotten a lot of pretty much garbage time for most of this season. She's probably going to have to play some minutes in this game. I would imagine at least like 6-10, to 10, depending on how the game is going. So they're still going to have four bodies overall in that front court. But I want to go back to Aaliyah Edwards real quick because UConn fans are probably going to point to her and they're going to probably say that they think that she's going to be able to take advantage of the fact that Cardoso is not in that lineup. And the thing is, you might say in previous years that, sure, she could potentially take advantage, except for South Carolina has someone by the name of Ashlyn Watkins 
who is probably one of the best defenders at her position in this entire sport. It would stun me if Don Staley puts anyone else but Ashlyn Watkins on Aaliyah Edwards this coming Sunday. Aaliyah Edwards, she does like to stretch the floor. She definitely gets used on pick and rolls near the top of the key. And she can shoot from the elbow. She can shoot, you know, 15 to 17 foot jumpers. And she can hit them at a pretty decent clip if you don't respect her jump shot enough. But as we all know with Ashlyn Watkins at this point, she is pretty much the best all-round defender on this team. She can guard people out at the perimeter. She definitely can hold her own in the paint. She's got a lot of strength. She's also got a lot of bounce. She can jump up as high as probably anybody on this team. She leads the team in blocks. She also has no issue getting scrappy, fighting for a loose ball on the floor. Ashlyn Watkins is literally everything that you want in basically an All-American defender on your team at the college level. And so, Aaliyah Edwards, if she is matched up against Ashlyn Watkins this coming Sunday, um, I think that Watkins, to put it bluntly, is going to put straps on her. I don't think that Aaliyah Edwards is going to accomplish much of anything against Ashlyn Watkins. Now, Aaliyah Edwards is still a really good player, okay? I'm not trying to insinuate otherwise, but Watkins is going to win that matchup for the majority of this game. As long as she is not overly aggressive, Watkins does have her moments at times still where she can be a bit reckless, whether that be trying to strip the ball away potentially on defense or trying to drive to the basket or one side of the basket on offense. She has had times this season where she has gotten herself into foul trouble very early in a game. This is going to be one of those games where she cannot have that happen. If it does happen, that will change the complexion of this game. That will give UConn a fighting chance to potentially win this game in the Colonial Life Arena. But if Ashlyn Watkins is calculated and if she picks her moments to really enforce her will on UConn's front court, then the Huskies, in my opinion, they just don't stand a chance. Because Paige Beckers, as good as she is, there's no way she can beat South Carolina basically playing one on five. There's just no way possible that she can do that. UConn, as I mentioned earlier, they're not the team of old. They're not the Huskies of old. The Huskies of old, they had several stars across the board. Plus players that were coming off the bench that could basically make sure the drop-off was kept to a minimum. That's not the way this roster is anymore. If Paige Beckers does not basically play superhero ball, along with an Aaliyah Edwards giving her some help at times, then UConn just, they're not going to match up well against any of the better teams in women's college basketball. So, yes, Camilla Cardoso being gone, that does certainly hurt this team. It is going to affect this team's offensive strategy. They're not going to be able to just feed the ball down to the low post like they usually do when Cardoso's out there on the floor. It might be one of the best things that could happen to this team, learning how to play without Camilla Cardoso, because who knows, come tournament time, she might have a game where she gets into serious foul trouble, and you got to play long stretches without her. Next season, you're not going to have Cardoso on this team anymore. So you do have to figure out a way how to score, how to really hurt teams without a big presence at that five spot in an Aaliyah Boston or Camilla Cardoso. One day, this team's got to be able to learn how to do that. So, heck, this might be a great time 
for them to do that before they even get to the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament that will take place, obviously, about a month and a half or so from now. Now, we're going to end today's show by talking a little bit of football because Shane Beamer did introduce a new coordinator at the special team spot this past Friday afternoon to everybody. The new coordinator is Joe D. Camillus, who comes from the NFL, spent a lot of years in the NFL. And based on how that press conference went, compared to some of the other new hires that Shane Beamer has made this offseason, I think it's fair to say that Shane Beamer is changing his philosophy to a certain degree when it comes to the kind of coaches that he is bringing on to his staff. And I'll explain that in a bit more detail in just a few moments right here on Locked on Gamecocks. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl week to all of you who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, you've got big plans for Super Bowl Sunday, which is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and also placing some super bets. Also, you can't forget the commercials, although I'm going to give you all what might be a hot take real quick. I think that the commercials during the Super Bowl suck now. I think that they've dropped off significantly over the past few years. I used to really love the commercials, specifically that Doritos made. But even those have just fallen off a cliff over the past couple of years. But going back to the bets that FanDuel has for Super Bowl 58, they've got one on the coin toss. Heads is listed at minus 104, as is Tails. And the thing is, historically speaking, Tails is the better choice here. They own the all-time record in the Super Bowl era at 30-27. and 27. So a very slight advantage, but still, it seems like that Tails usually doesn't fail when it comes to Super Bowl week. And not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl or win the coin toss, but you can also place bets on who will be the Super Bowl MVP, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. As I mentioned earlier, this past Friday afternoon, new special teams coordinator Joe DeCamillis was officially introduced to Gamecock country. And when listening to Joe DeCamillis' introductory press conference, along with some of the others that have been conducted by some of Shane Beaver's new hires, I think that it's fair to say that Shane Beaver has changed as a head coach this offseason when it comes to the kind of guys that he is bringing on to his football staff. In the 2020 and 21 off seasons, Shane Beamer hired six on-field assistants who had no on-field coaching experience in either the SEC or the NFL. Here are those six on-field assistants. Marcus Satterfield eventually wound up leaving for Nebraska. Eric Henry literally stayed here for one season and then went back to the high school coaching ranks. Jimmy Lindsey was here for two years and then took a job with the LSU Tigers. Pete Lembo arguably was a home run hire. No complaints about that one. 
Clayton White, been very up and down and probably barely saved his job by the skin of his chin this past fall. And Montero Hardesty, he was officially fired this past month by Shane Beamer and the University of South Carolina. So, the point being, a lot of those guys, for one reason or another, they did not work out or they did not live up to the potential that maybe fans thought they had when they got to Columbia. So this offseason, Shane Beamer has hired three new on-field assistant coaches. All these coaches have experience either in the SEC or the NFL. Running backs coach Markwell Blackwell, he was originally at Texas A&M this past fall. He was at Ole Miss the year before that. So he has two years of experience in the SEC. Wide receiver coach James Coley. He was at Georgia with Shane Beamer for a very long time. And then starting in 2020, all the way up through last year, he was with Jimbo Fisher and the Texas A&M Aggies. He has nine total years of coaching experience in the SEC. And then special teams coordinator Joe D. Camillus, 34 years in the NFL. Sure, he doesn't have any experience as an on-field coach at the college level. I don't think anybody's going to question, though, Joe DiCamillis' X's and O's ability. When you spend that much time at the NFL level, I think it's fair to say, yeah, the guy's a pretty good coach, and he knows what he's doing. So, because of that, I really don't have a lot of specific notes from Joe DiCamillis' press conference. But the one takeaway that I really had from Joe DiCamillis' presser was how he carried himself and how he answered a lot of the reporters' questions. And I kind of thought about Markwell Blackwell and James Coley and their introductory press conferences. And the thing that I kind of concluded from looking at all those pressers and kind of recalling how they all went about them, all these guys are ball coaches. Every single one of them. They have ball coach type personalities. I'm not saying that they are complete and total cookie cutter personalities, but when Shane Beamer got to South Carolina, what was the main thing that needed to be fixed that Shane Beamer did fix that offseason practically? It was the culture. The culture was broken under Will Muschamp. It was a lot of me, me, me. A lot about the individual and what you're doing to get ready for the next level more so than the team-oriented goals. Trying to make the University of South Carolina's football program better. Trying to be able to compete in the SEC. Maybe those were prioritized, but they weren't prioritized enough. And Shane Beamer, he asked all the players when he got this job, what's the biggest problem that's holding this program back right now? And the biggest answer that most of the players gave him at that time was the culture was broken and there was not enough of a team-oriented culture. So Shane Beamer fixed all that. And yes, a big part of him trying to fix that culture was to hire a bunch of guys onto his staff that were authentic, were genuine, were personable. Guys that could get along with the modern athletes that are coming up the ranks here in college athletics. And really truthfully, since his first year, his first full off season as the head coach, then the next off season, Shane Beamer, he has prioritized. How do these coaches fit in the culture? That is sort of how he has based his hires. It doesn't feel that way 
with these recent hires. It doesn't feel that way with Markwell Blackwell. It doesn't feel that way with James Coley. It doesn't feel that way with Joe DeCamillis. Now, I know some of you could sit there and say, well, Andrew, Shane Bieber knows James Coley. They go back a long ways. Shane Bieber goes back a long ways with Joe DeCamillis. You could also just say relationships are a big reason why most of those guys came here. And sure, you could say that as well. However, I will just say this. When these guys were speaking at their introductory press conferences, they did not give off the vibes of somebody who could run as a part of your city council, who could run as the mayor of your town, who could run as the state governor and would kiss babies on the streets to get your votes, okay? They didn't come off like that. These guys came off as bona fide football coaches, guys that have come here and they're like, listen, you know, no offense, I will talk to the media, I will fulfill my obligation, I'm appreciative of the university for giving me this opportunity, but I'm here to coach football. I'm here to talk ball with these players, develop them, and make them better. And you know something? I think that's good for this football program. I'm not trying to say that Shane Pimmer went way too into the culture aspect. Culture is important, okay? I want to make that clear. I'm not downplaying the importance of it. But could you say that Shane Pimmer maybe did prioritize that maybe too much compared to other aspects such as, hey... Can this guy actually develop the players that he has in his room? Can this guy actually recruit his position well? Could you say maybe that guy prioritized a bit too much over those kind of aspects? I would argue yes. You could potentially make that case. So I think that it is notable with a Marquel Blackwell, who has a lot of experience in the Southeast and some experience in this conference, a James Coley, an ace recruiter, a Joe D. Camillus, comes from the NFL ranks. The NFL is all about talking and coaching ball, just looking at film, going about the X's and the O's. I think you can say from all of that that Shane Beamer, he's at least a little bit more open-minded in terms of who he hires. And I also think that it is a secret acknowledgement from Shane Beamer that he knows, again, this program has to bounce back in 2024. You have no option. You can't go 5-7 and seven or worse again. You've got to at least win six games and go bowling again in 2024. If that doesn't happen, you're on the hot seat at the minimum in 2025. There's no question about that. So, obviously, again, you go back and listen to those press conferences, I'll, I'll just say it. They probably would put you to sleep. But the way that those guys talked about the game, the way they talked about coaching, that stuck out to me a lot. And I think that that's something to keep in mind moving forward if Shane has to make more new hires at other positions over the next couple of years. But with that being said, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope y'all thoroughly enjoyed today's show as always. What are y'all's thoughts on what South Carolina is doing right now in terms of college basketball? How Don Staley and Lamont Paris have got all these eyes looking at South Carolina basketball. What are your thoughts on Camilla Cardoso leaving for the Olympic qualifiers and how this could affect South Carolina, particularly against UConn this coming Sunday? And lastly, what are your thoughts on these recent hires that have been made by Shane Beamer and what do you think it says about his overall hiring philosophy? 
Let me know your thoughts down below in the comments section if you watch today's show on YouTube or you can shoot me a direct message on X at a line underscore SC if you listen to today's show on an audio podcast app. Once again, thank y'all so much for tuning in. Have a great rest of your Monday and a fantastic start to the work week as always. And I'll be sure to catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. Oh.